Welcome to Rod Gilbert's Bulging Barrel of Laughs, the show that's funnier than dancing in a wedding for two hours with a really hot man and then realising that not only have you tucked your skirt into the back of your knickers, you've also forgotten to wipe your bottom. (laughs) (laughs) And in case that's deemed too sensitive for Radio 2 listeners, delegate ears, I'll provide an alternative. Welcome to Rod Gilbert's Bulging Barrel of Laughs, the show that's funnier than dancing in a wedding for two hours with a really hot man and then realising that you've tucked your skirt into the front of someone else's knickers. (laughs) Who's forgotten to wipe their bottom? (laughs) Tonight, we'll be admitting some terrible things in Confessions, where we reveal our audiences and our own deepest, darkest secrets. We'll be lifting more lids than Burke and Hare after a busy night robbing graves and eating sandwiches from their Tupperware boxes. (laughs) We'll be letting off steam in Rod's Rant Club, where we get as angry as a Glaswegian monkey with a banana allergy. We'll be testing our morals with some ethical dilemmas like would you shave off your moustache to get free entry to a Tom Selleck convention? (laughs) We'll also have stand-up from Russell Kane. We'll have live music from athletes. (laughs) And our regular guests, Greg Davis, Lloyd Langford and Sarah Millican. All that and lots, lots more. As you can tell, my barrel is fit to burst, so let's get on with the show. Would you please welcome... My first guest recently came second in a poll to find the coolest Greg Davis in Britain, narrowly beaten in the final by trendy stamp-collecting, triangle-playing vegan accountant Mr Gregory Davis of Western Supermare. <laughs> From the in-betweeners and we are clang, it's Burke and Hare reject Greg Davis. <laughs> and he's a stand-up comedian and writer on Nevermind the Buzzcocks, but is perhaps best known by me and his two friends. It's my flatmate Lloyd Langford. <laughs> In a few minutes, I'll be unveiling my barrel of laughs, but before I do, they're playing live for us in the studio. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Athlete with You Got the Style. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Athlete. Lovely stuff, boys, lovely stuff. Hello, Joel. Hello. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. There's a, a hair on my microphone then. Uh, really? That's on, which... Yeah. It's not very nice. You've changed. Yeah? Yeah, you wouldn't have worried about that a few years ago, would you, before you... (laughs) Look at that, eh? You you just can't get it anymore, can you? You know, you just come on, it's Radio 2, you've got a hair on your microphone. What are you going to do? Have somebody shot and kick off. Kick off, man. Let's see you, let's see you trash the place. Let that guy on the computer slam the lid down. (laughs) Is he one of the band, or is he doing admin? (laughs) (laughs) Oh! Whoa! Athletes are kicking off, ladies and gentlemen. Athletes are kicking off. That was the sound of a laptop lid being slammed down. <laughs> Rather gently, not to damage the laptop, obviously. He really shouldn't have done that because he's lost his game of solitaire now. <laughs> I think he was just on the internet. Do you want to introduce the band, Joel? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, they could introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Tim. <laughs> Maybe it's best if I introduce the band. <laughs> Calm down, Tim. He's the wacky. Who's this fella on the laptop? And I'm Steve. Steve on the laptop, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for Tim, Steve and Joe. We will be hearing more from the boys a little later in the show, but it is time, ladies and gentlemen, to unveil my bulging barrel of laughs. Lloyd, would you please now delve into the barrel of laughs and produce our first game? (laughs) (laughs) 
What is our first game tonight, Lloyd? Uh, the first game tonight, Rod, is Confessions. Yes, our first game is Confessions, where you tell us your innermost secrets and we laugh at you. Did you accidentally inflate your mother while breastfeeding as a baby? Are you a council road worker who's been caught doing some work on CCTV? Were you in hearsay? We want your most embarrassing secrets. To show you it's not just about humiliating you, the audience, it's quid pro quo. Every time you tell us something embarrassing, I will tell you a really embarrassing secret about Lloyd. And if that's not enough, I'll go further and tell you one about myself and Greg, because the barrel knows all our deepest, darkest secrets. Tonight's skeleton in our closet is... Petty crime. We've uh, actually we've 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 been on the internet uh, earlier in the week. We've had some responses in on Facebook and the BBC comedy website and stuff. So uh, this one is from a chap called John Foley. John Foley says, "When I was twelve, my friends and I agreed that we would all take something from our local sweet shop on our way to school. All my friends took sweets, comics, and drinks. When it came to my turn, I panicked and pocketed a candle." <laughs> There's something nice about that story, isn't there? If, especially, especially if it was like a homeopathic scented candle, then that would alleviate the panic. Are you suggesting that the candle is encouraging people to steal it by making them relax enough to feel it's acceptable? Yeah, that would have been a great if he'd panicked and then taken that. It would have been perfect, actually. It would have calmed him right down. That's sort of what I was implying. Was it? Oh. <laughs> I level you, I wasn't really listening. <laughs> Look at, I like this one. Hayley Booth says, Shh, I know who stole the massive queue from a B&Q superstore in Shropshire. <laughs> Is she here? Because I'm from Shropshire, and I just wanted to know which particular branch it was. Well, it's B, they call it now. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, B and. <laughs> you, can't, you can't miss it. Have you ever stolen anything, Greg? I have, yes. Oh. I broke the... When I was at college, I was living with some boys and I broke the stylus on our record player, which gives you some indication of what a tragic middle-aged man I am, the fact that we had a record player. And uh, they were all really mad with me, but I couldn't afford a replacement stylus. So I went into a well-known retailer, found the same record player, pulled the stylus off it. <laughs> then I panicked and put it in my mouth. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought... I thought the shopkeeper was eyeing me up and uh, I left the shop a little bit too hurriedly and swallowed the stylus. <laughs> no way. Yeah, so in fact... Did it ever... P- have you ever seen the stylus since? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me if I could play records with my ass. So. <laughs> Which I can. It's a better question. <laughs> You're right. Have you ever stolen anything, Lloyd? Yeah, um, I uh, went around when I was a kid, when I was younger. I went uh, to the boy next door's house and he had a uh, enviable collection of Star Wars men that I really wanted. Just like... the men, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> well, he might have had, like, Princess Leia and the guy with an octopus for a face. Technically a man still. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I really, I really wanted these Star Wars men, so what I Obviously. did was, when he went to the toilet, I tucked my trousers into my socks and filled up my trousers. <laughs> With Star Wars men. <laughs> Did you then panic and suck him up through your bottom? <laughs> well, it's quite awkward, cos, like, his mum had to retrieve the Star Wars men. Really? Yeah. How did she do that? With her hands? With her hands. It wasn't anything weird. 
Oh no, there's nothing weird no. than your nothing weird than your next door neighbour's mum got a hand on your trousers, <laughs> retrieving Star a, Wars figures, pulling a Boba Fett out of your sock. <laughs> oh. Nothing weird about that. Look at this. Vic Peak says, "Is Vic Peak here?" No, Rod. All of these people are from the internet. <laughs> I know, but that's the funny thing about the internet. Some of them exist. <laughs> says, yes, I once stole 75 of those teeny tiny pens from Argos because my friend dared me to and I thought it would be funny. I was about 13 at the time. My mum found them stuffed in my coat pockets when I got home and made me take them back to Argos and apologise to the manager. Why do parents do this, you see? There's there's more pressing questions. Why specifically 75? Did she, did she aim to go and get 75? In fact, I don't think there's enough of those little booths with the pens in them in Argos. Are you trying to suggest she was a repeat offender? <laughs> Look at this, this one. This is from somebody in our studio audience. Maybe. I stole this pen from the hotel next door to write this answer. <laughs> <laughs> Says Ed in Aylesbury. Then my friend insisted I gave it back. But I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the, probably the biggest confession I have to make, and, I, and I've got to be very careful here, because I've got a feeling that this, if there were... Well, I presume the investigation is still open. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, a long time ago, ladies and gentlemen, when uh, my friends and I accidentally set fire to quite a large place. <laughs> <laughs> so non-specific. <laughs> Well, that's not the point of the story. We accidentally set fire to quite a big thing. Swindon. Look, no! (laughs) Was it an inanimate object? It was an inanimate object, yes. Yeah, otherwise it would probably just move before we set fire to it. (laughs) Not if it was a tortoise. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, that's right. I knew it would come out eventually. Years ago, we set fire to a tortoise. (laughs) (laughs) Accidentally. (laughs) It wasn't a tortoise. It was an inanimate object, and we set fire to it accidentally, and the police arrived, and the, this is the point of the story, is that my mate was absolutely terrified. We all were, to be fair, and he hid in... We were, there was long sort of grass and rushes uh, where we were, and he hid in this sort of long grass and, because there was a policeman standing above him with a torch, and he hid there for four hours until he realised it was the moon. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely true. <laughs> Genuinely true. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's normally about this time that we crown a loser of the week who had the most embarrassing story, but I don't think there were any real losers there. I think they were all quite reasonable, those, uh, all our embarrassing stories there, weren't they? Yep. Lloyd was a bit sad with your Star Wars figures down your pants. <laughs> Should we make Lloyd loser of the week? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Lloyd, you are loser of the week. <laughs> right. Lloyd, would you please reach into the barrel and see what's next? <laughs> What is it, Lloyd? It's Quiz of the Week. (laughs) Yes, indeed. It's indeed, it's our quick-fire round, ladies and gentlemen. Quiz of the Week in these busy times with 24-hour supermarkets, internet banking, hot desking, mobile communications, broken homes, rocketing divorce, STDs, global travel and commerce, climate change and multi-channel satellite technology. Everybody's really busy. Our next game recognises that fact and is a quick-fire quiz to reflect how busy everyone is and how little time we all have. So without further ado, and with the briefest of rounds of applause from our studio audience, in fact, there's no time for a round of applause. You, there, madam, one clap. One, I said. (laughs) No time for that. This week, our quick-fire quiz is Think of a Number. 
think of a number as a very simple time-saving round. I think of a number. Greg and Lloyd, you have one guess each. If nobody gets it, we move on. <laughs> Lloyd. Nine. No. Sorry, it's, it's, Greg. A, it's any number whatsoever? Yeah. I'll give you a clue, though, this, uh, because it's the first week we've ever done I'll it. I'll give you a clue. It's not nine. <laughs> that was going to be my clue. He's uh, right, it's not nine. 148. Close. Nope. <laughs> OK, on to our next game. <laughs> Lloyd, would you uh, put your dangly little arms into the barrel and see what you find? <laughs> what is it, Lloyd? It's Rod's Believe It or Not. This is the, the game where I amaze and astound you with a fact that will blow your mind, leaving you looking as dumbfounded as a greyhound that has just been told it won't be running in the 4.15 at Walthamstow, even though its name still appears in the programme. <laughs> Are you ready to have your minds mashed up and then put back together, inside out like a greyhound who's unexpectedly got the afternoon off? Yes, yes you are. OK. Scientists can tell where someone lives from what they eat. Don't <laughs> be sarcastic. How? Yeah, of oh, course. damn. <laughs> I was hoping nobody'd ask that. Of course they can. Like, if they just eat brat first, then they're probably German. <laughs> you racist dog. <laughs> All Germans just eat sausage, right? <laughs> or like haggis, then they're Scottish. Oh, I see where you're going with this. Yeah. What, Potatoes what? Irish, yeah? <laughs> yeah, except for a long period of time in the 1600s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Clap the famine. <laughs> you're just talking about national cuisines. Yeah. I'm talking about science, about how you actually tell, by looking at what somebody eats, where they're from. Like, like you know, you can pinpoint it using... Well, it's absolute cobblers, isn't it? No, it's not. What, so, so someone will be able to tell where I'm from from what I eat? Yes, they, for they example... Think, so think, if I tell you what I had for breakfast this morning, you'd, be able to t you'd know where I'd, I came I'd from? I'd give it a, a fair go, yes. Yeah, but you already know where I come from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's ask someone from the audience you don't know. All right. What about this gentleman down here, sir? Lava bread. Well, hang, calm down. <laughs> big clue, big clue. Big clue? You, you had lava bread for breakfast? Did, yeah. Oh, there we are. You, from Wales? There we go. <laughs> Look, give me somebody from the somebody from the audience. Uh, this guy, the, the chopsy huh? pensioner. Chopsy pensioner. Oh. Right. Oh. I am going to try and deduce where you are from okay. by asking you a series of questions about the kind of things you eat. Is right. a chopsy pensioner as worthy as a Chelsea pensioner? <laughs> I don't know. What's a, what is a Chelsea pensioner? What? <laughs> What is it, Chelsea? Is it just a pensioner from Chelsea? You, you Welsh just ran to the mountains during the war, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <coughs> OK. Chopsy, Chopsy pensioner. What is your name, sir? Bob. Bob. <laughs> Chopsy Bob, I'm going to ask you a series of questions, right, about the kinds of foods you might or might not like. Okay. And from that, I'm going to deduce what the air is like in the place that you live and tell you roughly where you live to within Does my 30 miles. Not give it away. Yeah, I think I think he <laughs> I think he's from Cornwall, perhaps. <laughs> he's, he's, obviously, he's obviously from Cornwall. Are you from Cornwall? No. 
Here we are, Lloyd, you idiot. He's not from Cornwall. <laughs> are you from Cornwall, Chopsy Bob? Close. Devon? Yes. There we go. Oh, thank you very much. And I didn't even need the food questions. Somebody else. There, that lady there. Look, Disguise right. your accent, though, if you've got one. What, what's your name, madam? Lauren. Lauren? Yes. Thinking about peanut butter, Lauren? Yeah. Would you say you prefer crunchy or smooth? Crunchy. Interesting. <laughs> now thinking about cornflakes, would you say you have crunchy nut cornflakes more often, about as often or less often than normal cornflakes? More often? Yep. <laughs> How often would you say you have croutons? Always, sometimes or never? What's a crouton? Sorry? What's a crouton? What's a crouton? <laughs> Are you having that explained by the person next door? Yeah, yeah I like but... them. If you were to eat a mint, would you have a Fox's Gracia mint or an After Eight? I think I know the answer to this. After Eight? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Discos or what's-its? Discos. No, no, it's all in line. I can't believe he's drawn you into it. <laughs> oh, that's going to be South Coast. <laughs> right, taking your answers into account... I'm going to say you are from... sort of North Hampshire, sort of Northern Hampshire sort of way. No. <laughs> apparently it's not far. From North Hampshire? Yeah. No, I'm not in, from North Hampshire, but apparently that's close to where I live. Apparently that's close to where you live. <laughs> Should I come to somebody else who actually knows, knows where, where they, they live? <laughs> You are from somewhere. You are from somewhere pretty near the coast. Pretty near, but not not right not on it, coast. but quite near, and it's and about two or three hundred meters above sea level. Where are you from? I don't live near the coast. I live in Reading. Reading. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bugger to pick that accent, isn't it? <laughs> I think I did pretty well there, don't you? It's Look, not. Do you want to know this? how see I work? This, see this kid on the front row? Yeah. All right. Um, do you like tomatoes? <laughs> not not really. really. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so have you had any to your coffee today? All oh, right. Where are you from? Thought as much. <laughs> That's exploring. Is that all you can tell him? I can tell him specifically. He doesn't live in a greenhouse with tea and coffee making facilities. <laughs> What I'm saying is, the reason I know where you're roughly is because it's all about when you said about croutons, crunchy peanut butter. Basically, people that this is fascinating, this is new research. People that live near the coast, they prefer crunchy food, so they tend to go for crunchy peanut butter, croutons. <laughs> Didn't you? It's people who live near the coast, generally, it's because of the sand in the air, they get accustomed to it. <laughs> for God's sake, it is! It is true, it's new research. You get accustomed to sand and salt in your mouth, so then you tend to look for that in your food. And, uh, do, uh, do you believe me? Ladies, let's take a vote. Who believes my amazing fact? <laughs> <laughs> By way of a poxy cheer, who doesn't? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we've got some stand-up comedy now. Are you up for that? <laughs> In that case, please go wild, please go crazy. Welcome to the stage, Mr. Russell Kane. Uh, how you doing? You all right? Yeah. God, it's lovely in here. It's so friendly. Quite a lot of younger people in. Lots of people under thirty. Give me a cheer. Over fifty. Hardly any of them. 
That's not a coincidence, ladies and gentlemen. The older a person gets, the less likely they are to attend comedy. Specifically, the older male. There's probably some of them in the room going, I'm not going to join in. Watch him struggle. Watch him struggle. <laughs> Don't cheer. It'll be awkward. Watch him struggle. That's, that's the only thing my dad laughs at now is when something goes wrong. Like if he sees two cars smash into each other, that'll be a write-off. <laughs> <Huh? laughs> Britain the is the only audience where if I were to fall off the edge of this stage now and break my ankle right at the beginning of my set, there would be a slight pause where everyone went, <laughs> And the older guys stay at home. Oh, no, there'll be nothing for me. I'll stay indoors. You take the kids. Yeah, I don't like comedy. I won't laugh. There'll be no racism in it. What's the point in attending? <laughs> yeah? I've got nothing to hate. What am I going to hate with? That's, uh, that's my dad as well. I'm not racist, but... That's the danger word. Listen out for that, yeah? I'm not racist, but, yeah? Always coming out with... That's saying I'm not a sex offender, but get in the van, right? <laughs> Just get in it. I want to go for a short drive. You were, uh, that's my dad's phrase. Why can't we just have a sensible discussion about immigration, yeah? That's all I want. I don't trust anyone who uses that phrase while they're gritting their teeth. Can we have a sensible discussion about immigration? It's been ruined. Some of us would probably like to have quite an intellectually invigorating debate about immigration. Why not? People over this side of the audience already panicking. I don't like where this is going. Hide, hide. <laughs> Form a tent out of copies of The Guardian. We're not safe. You said immigration. <laughs> Heckling with a quail's egg, Jemima. Take that. <laughs> Do you like that, you chavvy brute? Here's a tomato. That's sunblushed, you tinker. Take that. <laughs> Sensible. It's a phrase that's been ruined. A perfectly reasonable phrase, Daily Mail Corner. Don't get me wrong. Right? <laughs> But ruined by people like Nick Griffin, they don't really mean that, do they? Some, Nick Griffin's so right-wing, even his eyes gone slightly to the right. Like, yeah. <laughs> Sensible discussion. It's a phrase that's been... It's like the type of phrase men ruin that could be a perfectly reasonable phrase. Phrases such as, why don't we lie under the duvet together naked? I won't try and do anything, it's just so we can be close together. Hey? <laughs> How long does that last? Five minutes before the no-handed kidney punch? Boink! <laughs> uh, sensible. And the younger men... So the older men, will they like being miserable? You know, men use... Uh, this, is a, this is a true fact, Ross, and my facts are true. Uh, we use 70% less language, men in their 50s and 60s, than they were when they were teenagers. How depressing. Some of you are more mature ladies in the room. No, you've seen your man get quieter, less tactile, less words, less hugs, less kisses, retreating into himself as he retreats into middle age. Women using more words, more language as they emotionally mature and develop. Hooray, I've actually taken on language form. I've disappeared into the air vent. Right? <laughs> That bit was postmodern for Guardian Corner. And, uh, and, uh, and, and listen to the difference between an answer phone message of a young man like this chap in the front row. How old are you? 15, 16, 17? How old are you? 16. The answer phone message will be long, full of delightful words. Hi, this is Benny. Leave a message after the tone. Boop, that wasn't tone. That was techno, biatch. Boop, boop, boop. Uh, oh my God, my life's just so random. I can't predict what's going to happen. My whole life's completely random. Oh my God, how random was that? Did you see that? Uh, and, uh, as we get older, guys, it gets hard. Even quite young it starts, doesn't it? 21, 20, waking up with this face. I just really want to ruin the day just because I've lost my keys. <laughs> uh, and listen to the answer phone message of a guy in his 30s, 40s. This is Dave, leave a message. Boop, if you're lucky. <laughs> my dad's boiled it down to just his name. He has a computer do the emotional work of greeting and he comes in, just does his name and sods off again. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Dave is not available <laughs> to take your call. It's tragic, isn't it? It's observational. Don't clap. And uh, it's a bit of a split in the audience. A filthy lot over here baiting me, hoping I'll swear on radio. Let's do something about Iran quickly, quickly. <laughs> You're a satirist. Mention Ahmadinejad. He won't address himself. And uh, this side, just do a poo on the stage, Russ, and skid on it. And, uh, it's hard to bring the room together.
Yeah, and uh, the younger men, I mean, look at the state of, look at the state of me. Some of you older guys in the room, is he gazing straight? How do you tell anymore? (laughs) I look like the sons of some of you hard men in the audience, don't I? Terrifying. We grow up in touch with our feelings, crying, singing, dancing, into poetry, into music. My dad, council estate, shaven-headed, hard as nails. He can actually pull himself along with the power of his cockney head. Like that. (laughs) He can look at a shelf and put it up. Get up, bitch. Sorry, Dave, sorry. (laughs) And there's me. Can't be talking about my feelings, papa. Hooray. I'm straight though, I'm a typical straight male. But we play, we play up to it, don't we? We play up to our feminine sides, this young man. It's attractive. The 18 to 25 year old go off and likes the vulnerable male. Tends to be a more mature woman who says, I'm sorry, I do like a man to be a man's man. I'm sorry, I do. That's my mum. <laughs> I'm sorry, you don't see your dad how I see him. He's very loving in private, right? That's weird for a start going into private to express your love, don't you think? I, I need a hug, I'll be in the shed. Right? <laughs> right? But don't panic, unreconstructed white working class males in the audience. It's the same hardware running underneath the M1000 tennis ball stick stalk on the end. <laughs> right? We're just running some post-feminist software, aren't we? We know what we're doing, some of us younger men. Oh my God, I'm so vulnerable, I might even be gay. Come over to mine, we can discuss it. Hooray. Oh my God, it's just you and a bottle of vodka. Let's talk about my feelings. Hooray. I'm so vulnerable right now. Lick it! Sorry, that's never happened before. That's Jason. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been Russell Kane. Thank you very much. Russell Payne, Russell Payne, give it up. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for, for Lloyd Langford to reach into my bulging barrel. <laughs> what have you found, Lloyd? It's Greg's indecent proposal. Ah. Greg's indecent proposal. Would you push a giraffe over for a go on someone's stepladder? Would you peep through every window of a Premier Inn for a glimpse of Lenny Henry in his purple pyjamas? <laughs> Greg believes everyone has their price, and he's going to put that theory to the test in our next game, Greg's Indecent Proposals. (laughs) What have you got for us, Greg? Indecent proposal number one. I can grant you X-ray vision for the rest of your life, but every time you use it, you have to automatically and uncontrollably utter the word... (laughs) I'll take it. I would take it. Yeah, I would definitely take it. Doesn't matter what negative thing you attach to that, I'll do it. Really? For an X-ray vision, I would definitely take it. Yeah. No, I think about it because, like, X-ray vision, you just get to see like people's bones. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Does it have a setting on? If it's got a, has he got two settings? He's got zero for off. Yeah. Right, and then one, One you can just see through three people's clothes. Well, and then two to look straight through them. (laughs) Yeah. I'm definitely more interested in in setting one. What if you were at a family wedding and there was a really attractive person that you wanted to see naked, um, but then you'd have to go around in front of family members going, whoa, every time you used it? Yeah, but I think you can disguise that as some kind of verbal tick. (laughs) Couldn't you? You could look at somebody and go, what an atmosphere. It's a wedding, remember? (laughs) (laughs) That's bound to be playing, isn't it? That's bound to be on, isn't it? I, I would definitely take that. Lloyd, you're not so sure. Yeah, I just maybe I would try and put something in my mouth to stop me going. Whoa. <laughs> like a uh, sock <laughs> or a ball gag. <laughs> what is a ball gag? It's a uh, ball with a sort of leather strap thing round it. How do you know this? You live in my flat. <laughs> yes, and in your flat you have the internet. 
Yeah, but I didn't say you could go on it. Uh, just by way of a cheer, who would accept X-ray vision with the four caveat? See what I mean? Everybody would go for X-ray vision. Definitely. Is it X-ray vision that is switched on all of the time, mm. even when you're looking at really sort of ugly, sweaty people? <laughs> like now, for example. <laughs> It's hot in here. It is hot. <laughs> yeah. Is it fat in here as well? I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> you prick. <laughs> I'm gonna up the stakes with my second one. Ready? All right. Who here would be interested in the ability to shop for free in any shop they wish? Me. Right, I can grant that ability, but for that, you have to enter into a one-year live-in relationship with Ainsley Harriet. <laughs> How long do I get in the shops? Is you, it for the rest of my life? You can go into one shop once a year and take what you want. One? That's very different to what... You didn't say that a minute. One shop once a year? It's my item. I'll do what the bloomin' Nora I like <laughs> with it. <laughs> That's a bit strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <you're> right, man. <laughs> Put me in my place. Yes or no? Well, I don't, what, what one, any shop I like, once a year, to take whatever I wanted from that shop, yes. but I have to live with Ainsley Harriet in a live-in relationship. In a live-in... Is it an, ac- an active one? It's, well, it's a very active one. <laughs> <laughs> too active? <laughs> well, you know me quite well. Would I consider it too active? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you would consider it relentless. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got for us? Um... Right. Uh, you could be a chess master with all the fame and glory that goes with that. <laughs> a, mas- a master or a grandmaster? Grandmaster. <laughs> OK. You could be a chess grandmaster with all the fame and glory that goes with that, but you have to wear the same pair of pants every day for the rest of your life. No problem. <laughs> but they're yep. Ainsley Harriet's pants. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. They're, they're and not. he's wearing them. <laughs> So let me get this straight. <laughs> I'm entering big chess competitions uh-huh. with Ainsley Harriet in the same pants. <laughs> well, thanks to Lloyd's, Lloyd's Editions, you are, yeah. Won't we get disqualified? Nope. Really? <laughs> yeah, he's, oh. he's, he's useless at chess. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my indecent proposals! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage with another stage of women, Sarah Millican! Hello. Hello. I don't know if you've noticed on the show, but there's an awful lot of men on the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Women, yes, I've noticed, yes. I was wondering when you were going to address that. <laughs> so I'm here to sort of redress the gender balance. So think of me as the Bette Midler classic beaches in a Rocky box set, for example. <laughs> or a scatter cushion on a multi-stained duvet. <laughs> Today, I bring you the second of the six ages of woman, tryouts. The tryouts are the things you do for the first time, like the first job interview where you tell them you do aerobics so that they think you live a varied life. (laughs) Or the first date where you kiss them like you kiss your grandma, (laughs) holding your breath, (laughs) still tongues, obviously. (laughs) 
drinking. About for a few years, try to be a drinker. I was drinking whiskey with a straw, drinking cheap wine while sitting on my friend's living room floor because she said you cannot fall off the floor. <laughs> Anything to fit in, dancing in a nightclub, smelling faintly of sick, the usual things. The occasion that made me realise it isn't for me was ten years ago. I was invited to a do at the Dorchester here in big fancy London. I hired to dress and someone advised me that I should have my eyebrows waxed. <laughs> Thanks, ma'am. <laughs> We're waiting in the gold foyer when Liam Neeson walked in with two pensioners with loads of shopping bags. Now, they were probably just his mum and his nana, but I like to think that they'd won a competition. <laughs> Upon successful completion of an Uma Thurman word search... Betty and Ina from Gateshead had won a shopping trip with Liam Neeson and tea at the Dorchester. <laughs> at the party, I drank far too much free champagne and showed my roots by getting so excited by the pudding that I took a photo of it. <laughs> I ended up throwing up on the squirrels in Hyde Park. Well, not actually on them, because they're really fast. <laughs> so while that closed a door on my drinking, it opened a door on my pudding photography. <laughs> passion I have since resurrected and now exhibit on my website. <laughs> I have, I've got loads of pictures of puddings on my website. I'm really proud of them. I and mean, I don't have kids, but I imagine it's very similar <laughs> to when you get to show people pictures of your kids. You know, I'm so proud of them. <laughs> it's amazing to think I used to hold those inside of me. <laughs> Boys. My first experience with boys was when I was seven and a boy shoved grass cuttings down the front of my homemade terry towel and boob tube. <laughs> that stayed up with elastic because actual boobs didn't arrive for another nine years. <laughs> when I was 12, a boy in my class bit off his wart to show me he loved me. <laughs> so it's not surprising that I turned to Philip Schofield for comfort. <laughs> lady in the front who did you fancy when you were growing up is anybody off the telly or a, or a pop star or something John Bon Jovi John Bon Jovi <laughs> I love that you're a proper northern as well oh I <laughs> John Bon Jovi did you ever write to him or anything like that or did you just lust from, um, from posters I still lust you still at wall do don't we who likes a bit of John Bon Jovi See, I fancied Philip Schofield during his uh, broom cupboard phase and, and latterly going live. Uh, it still remains the longest relationship I've ever had and I've been married. <laughs> I sent him a photo of my bedroom bedecking Athena's finest photos of him and Gordon the Gopher. He sent the photo back. <laughs> Signed. <laughs> Whenever a BBC envelope plopped on the doormat, I'd get so excited, my mum would make me run up and down the hall to get it out of my system. <laughs> he said happy birthday to me on his radio show and I once got a letter off his mum. <laughs> Stay away from me, son. <laughs> the last thing I sent him was a Valentine's Day card that played the theme tune to Love Story whenever you opened it. <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> I did mention it to him on Twitter and I sort of copied him in and said, sorry for sending that card, but I did love you when I was only eight. And he blocked me. Um, <laughs> independence. I bought a first-class train ticket by accident once. The conductor told me I should be in first class and I said, oh, no, I don't think so. 
And he showed me my ticket and he said, you know, first class, that's what it says there. And I said, oh, I don't think I feel very comfortable in first class. And he said, oh, no, there's plenty of your sort down there. (laughs) But we all try things. I tried a hash cake and fell asleep complaining that the cake was rubbish. (laughs) I was a brownie for a week, but only like the tuck shop at the end. There's a pattern evolving here, isn't there? (laughs) I tried the clarinet and marriage. Didn't put the work in and had them both taken off me. (laughs) That's how we find out who we really are. I am a non-musical divorcee who takes pictures of puddings and is still partial to Philip Schofield. (laughs) My sister said to me recently, you've changed. And I thought, oh God, it's coming here. What have I done? And she went, you never liked peas when you lived with us. (laughs) And you wear slippers now as well. I don't like what you've become. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time once more for Lloyd to delve deep into my barrel. Lloyd, can you do the honours? <laughs> What's up next, Lloyd? It's Rod's Runt Club. Yes, indeed! It's Rod's Runt Club, where you, our audience of neutered, powerless drones, our band of anemic automatons, you get the chance to shake off the shackles of oppression, wriggle free of the chains of apathy, and moan like a soft porn actor who's been penalised for filing a tax return late. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's Britain's first purpose-built winch fest. So let it all go. Get it off your chest. It'll be like rubbing Vicks Vapor Rub all over your soul. <laughs> Tonight's theme... What is it, Lloyd? Tonight's theme is travel and transport. So, we've had some things uh, from, the, uh, from the internet this week. We've had some, uh, some of the things that annoy you about travel and transport. And we've got some from our studio audience here tonight. All right. <laughs> Tell us something that annoys you about travel and transport. Every single other person using that mode of transport at the same time as me. <laughs> this is fairly miserable from uh, Gavin in Gravesend. Where are you, Gavin? Oh, right down the front there. Can we get a microphone down again? It says, especially the rude station attendant at Gravesend Station. <laughs> the one with the moustache, in brackets. <laughs> You've got a particular problem with this uh, one chap. What's he like? He's just really rude. What, to you alone, or is he rude to everyone? Mainly to me alone. My ticket doesn't work, so I have to get him to open the barrier for me. What, every day? Pretty much every morning, That's, every that, night. If I was a ticket thingy at Gravesend with a moustache, or without a moustache, I'd find it irritating if you turned up every day, twice a day, without a bloody ticket. <laughs> Why don't you get a new ticket? He's right. Let's role-play it. I'll be you. Morning. Oh, not you again. Yes, I'm afraid so. Have I done something wrong? Yes, you have. For 14 years, you've given the same broken ticket. <laughs> Is it too much to ask that you, like all other users of this massive network, you know, travel thing, get, just please get a ticket, get a proper ticket that works in the barrier. I see you twice a day, every single day, you boring, tedious little guts now. <laughs> Go back to Gravesend, you little shit. <laughs> Do you know what? I can't believe I've been so selfish all these years. <laughs> I am going to get myself a proper ticket as of tomorrow. <laughs> and I'll tell you something else. I'm not going to come to a radio show and bring this up. <laughs> Is that sorted for you, Gavin? Can you see a way out of this conundrum? <laughs> i tell you what I really hate. Right, if I'm on a bus and all of the seats are full, apart from the one next to me... And someone comes and sits in the seat, and then two people together get off the bus, so there's two empty seats, 
and the person who was sat next to me then stands up and goes and sits in one of the empty seats. I'm like, well, my seat was good enough for you a minute ago. So I go and do is then follow them and sit in the seat. I've got a little, uh, a little problem with transport and travel. It's not about public transport, it's about driving. This goes out to uh, the bloke who drove halfway to London uh, on my bumper this week. <laughs> who was practically in the back of my car from Swindon to Heston Services. I would like to ask, how do you physically drive that close to someone? Was I towing you without knowing it? <laughs> Is this some aggressive car-sharing scheme I haven't heard about? Will you drive up to me, drop a ramp and come aboard? Are you the motorway pirate I've seen in the papers? This is a four-door hatchback, mate, not a drive-on ferry. This isn't Thunderbird 2. There isn't room for your car inside mine. I'm driving a flipping Toyota Yaris, not a yellow ruddy TARDIS. When I look in my rear-view mirror, I should see me, not you. I'm still traumatised by your horrible, gnarled, twisted, stupid face. I could see what you had for breakfast in that mirror. I could smell your breath. If I was a dentist, I could have performed root canal work on you without even turning round. Stop invading my privacy. I've been in relationships that were less intimate than this. I know married couples that aren't as close as we are right now. Elton John and his first wife never went this far. It's not right sharing a chevron on a first date. And I'm doing the speed limit, so back off. Flashing your lights, beeping your horns, suggesting things about my private life with your hands. You're like Marcel Marceau with mime Tourette's. You should have a uniform and special markings on your vehicle so we know who you are. How about bumhole written in mirror image on your bonnet? So maybe you can all get out of your way. Maybe a siren and a flashing light. People would point in wonder and say, is it a doctor? Is it a policeman? No, it's gesticulating, egotistical, self-important. My total disregard for other people probably masks my own self-loathing man. <laughs> And the ultimate irony was when you forced me to swerve out of your destructive path, you had a baby on board sticker on the back. <laughs> if you do have a kid, here's a thought. Next time, wouldn't you let him drive? You can't be as big as nipple as you are already. <laughs> and there may not be any tools stored in your vehicle overnight, but there's a massive one in the front, I can tell you. <laughs> you want to know how you're driving? I'll tell you. You're driving like a monkey who's going through a painful divorce, had his hands glued to the steering wheel and his foot stapled to the accelerator. That's how you're driving. But maybe I should thank you. Maybe I should give you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe you're trying to be helpful. Maybe all that sign language is you trying to tell me to switch my engine off, stick it in neutral and let you push me home, is that it? <laughs> Here's a thought, why don't you take that baby on board sticker off and replace it with another one that says twonk on board. Why don't you have one saying, Jesus is coming and when he arrives I'll be the one driving right up his donkey's backside <laughs> shouting, shift your ass, beardy, you've kept us waiting 2,000 years, get a move on. Whoever you are, if you're listening, concentrate on upping your IQ and lowering your speed and hopefully they'll meet in the middle at 70. <laughs> Obviously, if you do recognise yourself, I didn't mean any of that. <laughs> Time now for us to go back to my bulging barrel of excitement. Lloyd, could you reach in, please? <laughs> what have you got for us, Lloyd? It's my concierge service. <laughs> Ooh. Tonight, Lloyd Langford is providing a concierge service where he will attempt to resolve all your problems, whatever they might be. He's a human Swiss army knife, electric tin opener, spirit level Allen key and spade rolled into one, as well as being a massive spanner. <laughs> We've had some things uh, from you, our studio audience here. We've had some things from the BBC comedy website during the week. Let's see what we've got. Why are the doors going into toilets 
Push doors. This is from Gary in Aylesbury. Why are the doors going into toilets, push doors, and pull doors on the way out? Meaning that those who wash their hands still have to open doors handled by those, brackets, many, who don't. Oh. Yeah, there's a, a palpable sense of tension in the room. <laughs> well, I mean, even if they were the other way round, they'd still have to touch the door to get in and out of the toilet. Yeah, you burk. <laughs> yeah, don't use you... your hand. Says a woman with a very dirty face. <laughs> Two black eyes, a broken nose, and piss on her forehead. <laughs> no offence. <laughs> Lloyd, let's go to your post bag from some we've had in the week on the BBC Comedy website. Let's have a look. This is from uh, Eleanor. It said, How do you politely tell your partner you'd like a threesome? <laughs> and then four minutes later, on the same website, Dave came in with, could you please introduce me to Eleanor? <laughs> <laughs> Darren says, how do you, you get sweet and sour sauce out of a cream carpet? Well, I know that if you're trying to get red wine out of a carpet, you use white wine. Yeah. So for sweet and sour sauce, something like uh, chicken tikka masala... <laughs> And a few... Because Indian's the opposite of Chinese. <laughs> is, that, is that your logic? Well, are you saying that red wine is the opposite of white wine? No, I'm saying that they... Well, no. <laughs> Heaven forbid. No, red wine's not the opposite of white wine. It you is. Know what it, no, it's not. It is, and rosé's in the middle. Rosé's not in the middle. It's a combination of red wine and white wine. It's a wine in its own right, isn't it? It's only a combination of red wine and white wine, rosé. No, it isn't. I thought they yes, made... Yes, it is. I thought they... Yes, it is. No, it isn't. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. That'd be a punter wine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a punter wine. Hey! Ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have in Rod Gilbert's bulging battle of laughs this week. I'd like to say a huge thank you to all of my guests tonight. Please welcome back to the stage our fantastic band, its athlete, to play us out with their huge hit, Half Light. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Good night. Rod Gilbert's bulging barrel of laughs stars Rod Gilbert, Greg Davis, Lloyd Langford and Sarah Millican with guests Russell Kane and Athlete. It's written by Rod Gilbert, Lloyd Langford and Greg Davis. The producers were Leanne Coop and Julia McKenzie.